Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Simon Peter, here we go. What a guy, right? For Pete's sake. We've been thinking about this flawed but faithful follower of Jesus for a few weeks now, and we've just been asking him to speak into our lives and to mentor us and to coach us. Here's what's interesting about our mentor, and here's why we have been taking time to investigate his life. When you think about the 12 disciples, these followers of Jesus who spent a lot of time with him, here's something that's kind of fascinating. They're not really mentioned by name that much in the Gospels. The disciples, they are mentioned, but by name specifically, not really that much. Here's what I found. The disciple believed to be the beloved disciple, John, is mentioned about 20 times by name in the Gospels. Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus, he's mentioned about 20 times as well. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he's mentioned 12 times. Thomas the doubter. Do you remember him? Doubting Thomas. Well, he's mentioned about 10 times. Bartholomew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, also known as Judas, son of James, they are mentioned only three times each. Here's where it's kind of fascinating. Simon Peter is mentioned by name in the Gospels over 120 times, which is just unique and makes him worthy of our attention. I actually think we should be viewing Simon Peter as a companion. That's how we should be thinking about him. As a companion on the journey, actually stepping out in front of us with his transparency, with his ability, and with his limitations as well. He has so much to say to us as modern followers of Jesus. And so this is why we are taking time, for Pete's sake, to look at this flawed but faithful follower of Jesus. He has quite a bit to say to all of us in how we should be following Jesus today. So last week, we ended our conversation with Simon Peter being in somewhat of a sad condition. We observed that he had denied knowing Jesus three times, and after he recognized his denial, he went out and wept bitterly. He was very disappointed, crushed with what he had done, very sad, over his behavior, and we left him in that spot, running and weeping bitterly because he was a denier. Well, what we will observe this week is that Simon Peter actually moves from what you could say is cowardice to courage. Adam Hamilton in his book called Simon Peter, which I have been using as a resource throughout our theme here, actually has a chapter entitled From Cowardice to Courage, 
And that's where we find Simon Peter today. It is very encouraging news for all of us. If you have a Bible or a device, I would love for you to find John's Gospel, chapter 21. John chapter 21, I will begin reading with verse 3 in just a moment. I also want you to take out your talk notes. So can you do that? And let me share a big idea with you that will frame our conversation. Here's our big idea. Spending time with Peter, which is what we'll do today, helps us see Jesus as one who restores. And that word restores is going to be a very key word for us today. And we're going to find over and over and over again that Jesus had the ability to restore Peter. I think we have to extrapolate that, though, and say Jesus still has the ability to restore all of us when we need it. And that is really encouraging to hear. So spending time with Peter, that's what we'll do again. We're going to ask him to mentor us and to coach us and to help us see Jesus as one who restores. Here's the timeline in John's gospel. In chapter 18, we find Peter's denials. In chapter 19, Jesus is put on trial and he is crucified and killed. In chapter 20, Jesus comes back to life and he begins appearing to people so that they see him alive. And then in chapter 21, we find the restoration of Peter from cowardice to courage. So chapter 18 is the denial. That's where that occurs. Chapter 19, Jesus is on trial and he's killed. Chapter 20, Jesus comes back to life. Yay for that. And then in chapter 21, verse 3, here comes Peter's restoration. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Well, we'll come too, they, all the disciples said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At some point post-resurrection, the disciples returned to the Sea of Galilee. If you remember last week, we talked about how Jesus said, I have to go to Jerusalem. There I will be put on trial and I will be killed. I will rise again, but I have to do all of this in Jerusalem. And that's where Peter's denials take place. Well, at some point after all of that, the disciples return to the Sea of Galilee. We know that Peter was a fisherman before he met Christ. And so he's returning to his livelihood. I'm going fishing. Well, we'll come to, but they caught nothing. Verse 4. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, well, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it's him. That's Jesus. I remember this event before. That has to be him. That's who it is. And he points that out to Peter. It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. He jumped into the water and headed to the shore. 
The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. They knew. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, and here's where we get this little side conversation that Jesus has with Simon Peter. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Well, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. From the text, I want to pull three thinking points that just fall out of today's scripture. Here's thinking point number one. Peter runs to Jesus. And this may be one of the most beautiful scenes in all of scripture. Peter the deserter. Peter, the one who had denied even knowing Jesus in a pretty dramatic way, he now recognizes this is Jesus on the shore. And yes, I deserted. I denied him in front of others. But now I have to be very close to him. And so Peter abandons everything and he gets out of the boat and he runs to Jesus because he wants that proximity. He wants that. Really, a beautiful scene in Scripture. I think Peter knew that the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy of Jesus was greater than all of his personal failures. And so, throwing everything aside, knowing that he had denied and he had failed Jesus. He knew that the grace, the love, and the forgiveness and the mercy of Jesus was greater than all of those personal failures. He gets out of the boat and he runs to Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus was arrested, how Peter followed from a distance? And when there was a gap in his proximity with Jesus, Peter got into trouble, and that's when he deserted. Now I think Peter is reviewing all of this in his mind. I'm here in the boat. That's Jesus on the shore. He is incredible. I want to be next to him. And so again, Peter leaves everything behind and he runs to Jesus. An extraordinary scene in scripture. Maybe today, 
as we think about our mentor and what we can take from his life and what he can teach to each and every one of us. Maybe we need to run to Jesus today. Maybe there's a gap in the relationship for whatever reason. And it's not as strong or as warm as it used to be. Maybe Peter is encouraging us, run. It's what I did. And I failed in a pretty big way. Maybe you just need to run to Jesus. And I want you to think about that as we consider the words and the actions of Peter today. Maybe you've never trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you. You've never put your faith in Christ alone. Maybe Peter's just trying to encourage you. Run. Run to Jesus. Get close to him and trust. One of the things we see from the text that, again, is just beautiful is that Peter runs to Jesus. And may all of us do more and more running toward the one who forgives and restores. Thinking point number two, charcoal is involved. (laughs) That's not a normal thinking point, but I find it fascinating that charcoal is mentioned in the text. And I did some research on this word, and it's interesting. The English word charcoal comes from the Greek word anthrakia, which means a heap of burning coals. And that's what we find Jesus doing on the shore. He has prepared a heap of burning coals. There is this charcoal there, and he is cooking breakfast on the shore there for Peter. The idea of a heap of burning coals is quite interesting to me because this Greek word anthrakia is only used twice in the Gospels. We find it here in John chapter 21, We also find it in John chapter 18, verse 18. Watch this. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. There's our word, anthrakia, a heap of burning coals. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. I guess you could say that Peter's got a thing for charcoal, right? Do you remember what's happening in chapter 18? It's Peter's denial, and here we find a heap of burning coals. There are individuals warming themselves by the fire, and Peter finds himself next to that charcoal pit, and people look at him and say, hey, aren't you one of those followers? You're with Jesus, aren't you? You belong to him. And Peter denies, and this is where things began to fall apart for him, around a charcoal pit, around a heap of burning coals, anthrakia. So it's interesting to me that the only two times we find this word being used in the Gospels, it involves Simon Peter. In one scene, he is denying Jesus. In the other scene, he's actually being restored by Jesus, around a heap of burning coals, cooking breakfast. He's restored by Jesus on the shore. Is Jesus saying to Peter with this episode around Anthrakia in John 21? Is Jesus saying to Peter, let's try this whole charcoal thing again and see if we can't have a better outcome 
Is that, is that what's happening here in John chapter 21? I don't know. It's possible. It's interesting to me, especially because here's thinking point number three. Jesus gives Peter around that burning pile of coals the opportunity to affirm his allegiance, commitment, and love for Jesus three times. Did you pick up on that in the text? Jesus comes to Peter. Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. Jesus again comes to Peter. Do you love me, Peter? Peter says, yes, I love you. A third time, Jesus comes to Peter. Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds, Jesus, you know all things. You know that I love you. And I find it interesting that Jesus gives Peter three opportunities to affirm his allegiance and commitment and love for Jesus. This may be a bit of speculation, but is it possible that Jesus was giving him that opportunity three times to counter the three times that Peter had denied knowing Jesus? I think that's very possible. This is an absolutely fascinating conversation that Jesus is having with Peter where he's inviting him back into the game. Peter, look, I know that you denied. I know that. But here I am asking you to give your life once again to be that rock upon which I want to build the church. I'm inviting you, Peter, back into the game. And that's why I say time with Peter helps us to see Jesus as someone who restores. So Peter runs to Jesus because Jesus restores Charcoal is involved, and maybe that's because Jesus, in an even humorous way, is restoring Peter through that event. And Jesus then gives Peter this opportunity to affirm his love and his passion and his allegiance for Jesus three times because Jesus restores. It's what he does. And our time with Peter, this mentoring session, is helping us to understand that. So how do we use this? With our time with Peter just being coached and mentored by him, I want to share two takeaways in the form of questions. Here we go. Number one, is today the day to passionately run to Jesus? Is today the day to passionately run to Jesus? And maybe you have yet to embrace the leadership and the forgiveness that God offers through the restorative work of Jesus. Maybe you've never made that choice yet and you're trying to think through that. Well, maybe today, through looking at the life of Peter and being mentored by him and coached by him, you're getting an understanding, boy, Jesus can restore me and my life and my hurts and my pains, and he can even take my failures and use them in some pretty significant ways as he did with Peter. Maybe today's the day to run to Jesus and trust in him alone. Maybe there's a big gap between you and Jesus and you've trusted in him alone and you remember that event and you're thankful for that particular moment in your life but a lot of things have happened 
life occurs, right? And we get thrown off track sometimes. And maybe there's just a big gap between you and Jesus and there is not closeness. There is no proximity at all. Maybe today is the day that you say, I'm gonna run to Jesus. I'm gonna abandon everything and get as close to him as I possibly can, taking the example of Peter to heart. Is today the day to passionately run to Jesus? Second question, second takeaway. How can you, this week, affirm your allegiance, commitment, and love for Jesus? How can you do that this week? And that's gonna be different for everybody in here because we're all wired in different ways. But I want us to be thinking about how this week we can affirm our allegiance and commitment and love for Jesus because he wants to use each and every one of us where we live, work, and play to make a big difference. And again, this is so clear from the life of Peter that Jesus can use us because Jesus is the one. He's the one who restores. A final thought. In Mark's gospel, chapter 16, we find that there are some women coming to the tomb to care for the body of Jesus. And when they get to the tomb, they recognize Jesus isn't here. He's already alive. And there's a messenger from God, an angel, that has a conversation with them in that moment. And here's what the angel shares. Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples. Will you say these next two words with me? Including Peter. He's not here. He's not here. He has risen. Go tell the disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died at the resurrection scene itself. God is reaching out to restore Peter. He is the only disciple mentioned by name. I think that's extraordinary. Hey, you're here. Jesus is alive. Go and tell the disciples, including Peter. Why is Peter's name mentioned? It's because God wanted to restore him and use him to be that individual to build the church. And what would this have meant to Peter that a messenger from God singled him out and mentioned his name saying, be sure Peter knows. Be sure he knows that I'm alive and I'll see them in Galilee as I promised. What would that have meant to Peter? Well, author Adam Hamilton states it this way. I think for Peter, it would have meant the hope that despite his denial of Jesus, he was still wanted, needed, and loved. I think it would have meant that Jesus might well forgive him. And it would have been a sign that there was much more for him to do. He might still be the rock upon which Jesus' church would be built. Go tell the disciples. 
including Peter, because I still have significant work for him that I will see him in Galilee. I think spending time with our mentor helps us see Jesus as the one who restores. And even at the resurrection scene, God is reaching out to Peter in a unique way, saying, be sure he knows, I still have something for him. And Jesus will restore over a charcoal pit with fish and a fantastic breakfast. Jesus will give Peter the chance again to affirm his commitment and love and desire, really, to serve Jesus. So let me talk to you about Friday night as I think about this, okay? Friday night, I had a marvelous time right here in this room with a group of individuals. And I share this with you because I stand here and say, you know, Jesus restores, right? And I I believe that with everything inside of me, I really do. But sometimes it becomes language that you're supposed to say, because you want to help people have great faith in Jesus, but you begin to wonder, does Jesus still restore? It sure seems like he did that when you look at scripture, but we get jaded with life and we get busy with everything happening around us and we all receive bad news quite a bit. And so you wonder, is Jesus still in the restoration business? Restoring hope, restoring lives, helping people change, maybe in small ways, but also in really big ways. Is Jesus still doing that? Is he? So Friday night, I had plans to go to a high school football game. The Garnet Valley Jaguars were playing their first playoff game. I love high school football. I've had a couple of sons who have played, and I couldn't wait for this particular game. Playoff football in November. This is amazing. I love it. So that's what I'm doing on Friday night. Well, a few weeks ago, I got a call from City Team, which is a ministry in Chester, and they work with men in providing a platform for them to walk through recovery. And it's a a year program, and they just do amazing work. And we've partnered with City Team in the past. We actually had our love day and sent a team right in October to City team, we're going to go back to city team in December. We have blessed them financially. I love city team and their work and believe in what they're doing in the city of Chester and beyond. Just a great, great organization. So they call me to say, hey, we would like to use Valley Point Church to host this graduation event for nine men who have walked through a program and their lives are changed. I'm like, oh, that's great. We'll open up the building. We can turn the lights on and give you a microphone and and have a blast with your ceremony. And then they asked me to pray at the beginning of the ceremony. And I said, okay, it's Friday night. I've got this football game that I really want to see. What time is the prayer? (laughs) And they said, well, the prayer, we want it to be at 7 o'clock. Well, the game started at 7 o'clock, of course. So I'm like, oh, I really want to go to the game, but, you know, I love city team, and so here's what I'll do. I'll come to the church, and I'll stand up there at 7 o'clock and pray, do my thing, and then I'll just kind of slip out quietly and go to my office and change into warm clothes and then see the majority of the game. That's what I'll do. So that was my plan, Friday night. 
right in this room, we welcomed nine men and their family and their friends and supporters who have been cheering them on for a year as they have walked through addiction and recovery. And we opened the doors to this place and, and they came and it was a really warm environment filled with joy and happiness as people were celebrating their success. So the night started and they were running behind and so I'm doing the whole, let's you know get this prayer thing going here because I need to get over to that field. And at 7.10, I stood up and I prayed and then I came and I sat down right over here in hopes that in a few minutes I could silently slip out. I, I never made it to the game. I never made it. And it was, a, it was the best choice that I could have made. I sat there and listened to the stories of nine men talk about being restored and how lives were changing. And these are individuals in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, I'm guessing. And they have had a lifetime of things not really going their way, battling health issues, battling death, battling addiction in severe ways and losing jobs and homes and their families and just losing everything and still chasing that addiction until God broke them enough where they landed at City Team and, and they just stood up and talked about the restoring work of Jesus. And, and I sat over here and just wept and was reminded again of how Jesus has this amazing ability to take very difficult things in life. One man talked about how he had lost his son at 16 years of age. His son walked through a lot of the same addictions that he did, and his son died, and he watched all of that and said, God, I don't even want to live anymore, and I'm going to do everything I can to kill myself by diving into this addiction, and he just couldn't die. God wouldn't allow him to do that, and so he found his way to city team and there met Jesus and found support and encouragement and help and hope and love and began to turn his life around in a year's time and to hear story after story, these nine men just pour out their hearts and say, you know, this is, this is real, this is real. And here's what Jesus does. He has this ability to restore and that came out in every story every story. So I sat here and wept with a lot of other people and it was the best football game I have ever missed, have ever missed. Because God has this unique ability just to sometimes help you see the restorative work of Jesus. And so I stand before you today. I guess I'm sitting. <laughs> I stand before you today as someone who firmly believes in the restorative work of Jesus, and whether that's an addiction or bitterness or hatred or some sickness that you are walking through or whatever else may be happening in your life, when we run to Jesus like what Peter did, Jesus has this ability to restore even the worst of situations. And so I'm just a big believer in Jesus and what he can do and how he restores. These gentlemen... Several of them thanked the church, which I thought was amazing. It, they'd never even been here before. But yet they, they stood up here and they, they thanked their families and friends and, and all the supporters and those who had been working with them and, 
and then thank Valley Point Church for just opening up the doors so they could have a great celebration. We went out into the lobby and there was food out there and it was a joyous occasion all because Jesus restores. I share that with you because your generosity makes it possible for us to offer this place for those kinds of things to know that God is still using the church. He's using us and he's using City Team to help people know that Jesus is and he does restore. He did it with Peter a long time ago, but he's still in the process. He's still in the business of restoring lives and that's great news for all of us. So is today the day to passionately run to Jesus? You think through that. And how can you this week affirm your allegiance, commitment, and love for Jesus, the one, the one who restores? Will you stand with me? Can you do that? I want us to read this closing benediction together and just to offer this up to our great God. You say this with me. Lord, I have failed you many times. Forgive me. Wash me and make me new. I do love you. Help me to love you more. Use my hands. Use my lips. Use my time and my energy. Use all of me to feed your sheep. Make me the person you want me to be in your holy name. Amen. Father, we're learning so much from Peter. We're learning so much from him. Thank you for sharing this information with us, Scripture, making it available to us so we can learn and use what happened there to help us. God, however you're stirring in our hearts and lives right now, would you help us just to be open to you and to respond in appropriate ways, in ways that help us to run to you and in ways that just affirms our commitment and love and allegiance for who you are. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Maybe you're here and you've never had that initial run to Jesus. You've never trusted in him alone to rescue you. And maybe you've been trying a lot of stuff, a lot of things to bring happiness and contentment into your life, but... You haven't trusted Jesus alone yet. And maybe it's making sense to you today that God in his great mercy gave us the gift of Jesus. And when we trust in him alone without adding anything to that, we can be assured of a home in heaven and a forever friend in God himself. Maybe that's something that you want and that you desire. Then I would just encourage you in the quietness of this moment, from your heart to God's ears, say something like this to him. God, I know that I am a sinner. 
I know that I am imperfect. I know that I have messed up my life. God knows that about us, but I believe he wants to hear that from our heart. And so just communicate that to him. And then let him know that you're trusting in Jesus alone to rescue you. And you are putting your faith in Jesus, your trust in him alone as your only hope of heaven. Just tell God you're trusting the saving work of Jesus. Run to him. Run to him. then thank God for saving you. Just thank him. Thank him for rescuing you and for the gift of Jesus, the one who rescues. Just thank God. those are thoughts, if that is a prayer you have offered up to God, I want to say congratulations to you. You have a forever friend in God the Father who so freely gave us Jesus, the rescuing one, to restore us into a right relationship with God. Congratulations to you. Father, we're again just so grateful for Jesus and for his rescuing work. We see it in Peter. We're asking him to mentor us and to help us and to coach us. And I believe he's done that again today. We see a move from cowardice to courage. And God, that's a lot of our stories as well. We have these moments of running away from you, but these moments of attempting to come back. God, I pray that you would use this conversation today to help all of us act like Peter and run to Jesus. And then help us throughout the week to affirm our commitment and love for you. Help us to do that in every possible way. Draw us near to you now, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.